Welcome to this very special episode of the Art Business Podcast. Uh, today we've got a really special guest. I know I know all of my guests are special, but today we've got a really special guest, um, very appropriately for, for the time. Um, Bodan uh, Misua, uh, who is the curator and founder of Lviv Museum of Modern Art uh, in, in the Ukraine, in the Western Ukraine. I'm sure all of you listening to this podcast by now will We'll, we'll, we'll understand where these cities are uh, in the um, in the theater, as it were, of the of the um, of the invasion of Russia into Ukraine. And Lviv, of course, is is has been in the British news, I would say, uh, mainly because it's um, one of the routes of way for refugees coming through into Poland. But also, as we're going to see, I think during this podcast uh, with with Bodan. Uh, it, it is an amazing center for the arts, and I think we all want to learn more. Um, it's a shame that sometimes warfare is the catalyst for us trying to understand cultures more than we already do, but maybe maybe something good is going to come out of this in the end, I would hope. Uh, and um, and so he's he's not only curator and founder of the Lviv Museum of uh, of Modern Art, which is part of a larger national national gallery of arts in in Lviv, uh, but he's also an academic. He's an associate professor at the National Academy uh, of Arts in Lviv, and uh, he's he's published four monographs on Ukrainian art of the I think the particularly the twentieth and the nineteenth and twentieth centuries and many, many articles on Ukrainian art, one of which my other special guest today, Elena Grubb, um, has, has sent to me to read, and I've read it with great interest. And I'm just going to introduce also Elena Grubb. Elena Grubb is a former student of mine on the MA Art Business at Sotheby's Institute of Art. Uh, she did an amazing dissertation with me, a very, very groundbreaking uh, dissertation on on the the set whether we can whether we can test the sensory responses to works of art using modern technology it, it's quite amazing and since then uh, she has uh, she's now in munich um, but she uh, is herself from the ukraine and um, she uh, since then she's uh, become a director of a, a publishers uh, called magenta art books um, and i'm sure during the course of this discussion, uh, Elena will be joining in. Um, I have to say to everyone that uh, Bodan would prefer to speak in Ukrainian, and I think it's great for our listeners to hear this, this, this wonderful language. And Elena, who has obviously very good Ukrainian and English, will be translating. So I'm going to ask the questions and Elena will translate those for uh, Bodan. So my first question really is that I've, I've just said that many of us will never have been to Lviv, and the pictures that we're seeing on our television sets show it currently is a very peaceful city but also a very beautiful city where I've seen kind of like BBC reporters in the streets um, reporting back from Lviv. It, it looks really really beautiful and my own research and my some of the work I, I've done um, with, with Elena before with Ukrainian uh, players in the art world as it were. Uh, we might come to that later in the discussion. Um, you know it's a very very rich um, city of heritage, which is obviously now very much under threat uh, with the bombardment that we've seen, um, you know, already that the, the, the terrible devastation uh, that has been done to uh, the, the more eastern Ukrainian cities. So maybe Badan could tell us something about why he liked, why he loves Lviv and something about its art scene. Богдане, тому що не знає за всім нічого, так, у нас західна аудиторія про Львів тільки починає взнавати з новин BBC, 
Чи розкажіть з вашого погляду про ваш Львів так? і про мистецтво Львова? Отак, як ну, я зрозумів з останнього, чому я люблю Львів. Так, тобто, так why, do you, why does you like Львів? Ну, почнемо, напевно, з того, що Львів, це, напевно, що от в мистецькому плані, це мало би бути обличчя європейської України в мистецькому світі. In Lviv, to start with, in my opinion, um, would it looks like a face of the European Ukraine in the world. I understand. Тому що вся культура Львова вона вона відображена. Абсолютно, ну, мені здається, в десять... тисячолітня культура Львова – це єдине з міст України, де є всі стилі. І, наприклад, якщо взяти архітектуру, то тут є архітектура італійських майстрів. Угорських, тут є архітектура візантійських майстрів. І якщо ми вже говоримо про там про 18-19-20 століття, то це культура австрійських архітекторів, польських. Тобто, коли ми говоримо про Львів, Дуже поширена була така фраза в 30-ті роки, коли українці між собою зустрічалися в Європі, вони питали, ну, коли ми знову поїдемо до Малого Парижу? Um, so basically every single architectural style you can find in Lviv. And uh, it's in the middle of the, thir- in the 1930s where there was a big Ukrainian immigration to the Western Europe due to the similar events um, as there are now. There was a normal conversation when people were asking each other, so when are we going to go back to our little Paris? So Lviv is also known as a little Paris. Little Paris, that's that's wonderful. And I know, I know that, I mean, obviously we will be talking more about the art scene um, in, in the course of the conversation, but um, I, I also hear from you, Elena, that one of um, Bodan's hobbies throughout his life has been in the scout movement. And, and I, sometimes I ask uh, people in the discussion, you know, uh, what about your countryside? Could you maybe, uh, I, I would imagine that being a scout would, would, would mean going out of the city sometimes into the countryside. Maybe Badan could just tell us something about the surrounding landscapes of Lviv or where, where should you go in Ukraine if you like hiking or mountaineering? <laughs> Badan, as a scout, tell us something about where in Ukraine you should see from the point of view of nature and more as a city. Ну, я виріс з Івано-Франківську, а це 70 кілометрів від Карпат. I have grown up in the city of Ivano-Frankivsk. It used to be known Stanislaviv, which is a 70 kilometers from Carpathian Mountain. Тому, якщо б мене спитали, 
що найкраще є з природи України, то я б сказав, що це Карпати. And obviously, oh. I'm a big fan of Carpathian Mountains. This is the best that we have. And Carpathian like Mountains. Yeah, Carpathian Mountains, I think we, we, we always hear about how beautiful they are and, and great, wonderful places to, to walk in. Um, we have quite, <clears throat> we have a substantial Ukrainian population, of course, already in, in the UK. And we're hearing about some of the issues that people are having, refugees are having, joining their families back in the UK. Hopefully those will be sorted out soon. But I, I find myself talking to Ukrainians and um, Polish people and so on. And they, they always, if I say, where's the nice countryside, they always say the Carpathian mountains i will just Thank add you. from myself because now when i moved to the to munich to germany it is very similar that you would find in the western ukraine and germany especially in the um, munich and the sort of bavarian area and alps it's uh, i could say very similar landscape even the similar culture they have very similar musical instruments that are uh, very long we call them trembita Yes, yes, this is this one. We have the same. Wow. Uh, people wear um, hats with feathers, just like Swiss and Bavarians. It is incredibly similar. And, and the um, other question I was going to ask just generally about culture in, in Lviv, perhaps, is um, uh, maybe, maybe Bodan could say something about, uh, is there an opera house or a, a, a concert hall? What is the kind of music scene, both popular and classical-like in, in Lviv? Можливо, Богдане ще також щодо музики. Розкажіть там, бо у Львові ж є опера і є багато, багато музичного світу також у Львові. Ну, мої дві доньки грають на фортепіано. Старша закінчила музичну школу, а молодша ходить до неї. І моя обсервація класичної музики це було ну, відвідування філармонії, тому що це обов'язково було для всіх студентів. От. Ну, але ще крім того, ну, в мене є свій шлях до музичної культури. I have, і... I have, uh, трошки вас переб'ю, перекладу. Um, I have two daughters. They both play piano. One has graduated from the musical school. The other is still studying. My, I have my personal view. Lviv musical scene is incredibly wide. Um, there's um, the main place we go is the uh, National Philharmonic uh, Concert Hall that is uh, uh, kind of like obligatory for everyone, not so much as opera. And Bohdan says, I have my own pers- personal preferences. Так, Bohdan. Ну і, власне, мій особливий шлях до музики, він полягав через вивчення модернізму. My way towards music was through studying modernism, modern art. Тому що ну, центральна особа пізнього модернізму у Львові, Карло Звіринський, творчість якого я вивчав, він мав серед приятелів відомих музикантів. Це Грабовський, це Грабовський, це Анджей Нікодимович, це відомий етномузиколог Володимир Гошовський. І щоб зрозуміти цього художника, щоб зрозуміти абстракціоніста 50-х років 20-го століття, я мусив розуміти нон-класику в музиці. От. І таким чином я почав вивчати і цікавитись нон-класикою в музиці. Uh, one... Я зараз, ну, крім класики, я слухаю Шонберга, Раматі і, ну, і багатьох інших. Ну, я намагаюся цю музику зрозуміти. Uh, uh... 
one of the things that um, uh, Bohdan was working on his monograph is dedicated to a Ukrainian artist, Karlos Virinsky. This is the 1950s Ukrainian modernism who was um, not now due to the Soviet bans on the Ukrainian modernism. And this is the artist that Bohdan is particularly interested in. And to understand this artist, he had to study music and particular non-classical music to understand abstract art of these of those times. So they were Ukrainian and Polish composers by the name of Hrabowski um, and many others. Um, Bohdan said. Um, Andrzej Nikodemowicz. Nikodemowicz. May I just ask, when, when Bodan refers to um, non-classical, does he mean still what we might call like modern classical, or does he mean other forms of music? Jeśli wy każecie nie-klasyczna muzyka, to jaka sama ma jest nowa? To, co my nazywamy nową klasyką? No, to, co my nazywamy nie-melodyjna muzyka. It's what I call a non-melodical music. Yeah, so eight, we, we would say, I heard him speak about Schoenberg, so we'd be talking about atonality uh, and so on. How it, it's very interesting to come to the, to, to come to the art, come to the music from the art and vice versa. Um, and and I, I think one of the things that I've begun to realize over the years, partly due to Elena's influence on me, uh, and her, her interest in, the, in Ukrainian culture is um, there's a lot of these, as I see it, there's a lot of Ukrainian artists that have kind of got forgotten um, and, and need to be resurrected from that modernist tradition who, who are very often um, arguably ahead of what the more famous artists sort of, uh, you know, in Paris and, and, and so on um, were, were doing at the time. I, I don't know whether Bodan could say something about whether I'm right in in saying that these artists weren't weren't imitating better known artists, they were they were part of an avant-garde themselves, the Ukrainian modernists. Богдане, ну виходячи з багато інформації, яку Девід вже вивчив, і також він цікавився українським мистецтвом, і те, що я йому розповідала, виглядає так, що багато українських модерністів були просто забуті або вони невідомі, але вони стояли, якщо не попереду, то йшли в ногу зі світовим авангардом із паризьким і так далі. Тобто це не є імітація українського авангарду, це є, якщо не попередник, то сучасник європейського авангарду. Чи могли б ви більше про це розповісти? Чи Девід каже, чи я правий, чи я помиляюсь? Ви абсолютно праві, тому що... You're right. Щойно відкритий музей модернізму, який був відкритий в травні місяці. The Museum of Modern Art that has been opened in May 2021 якраз підтвердив цю теорію. Has completely proven that theory. I didn't realize it had only recently opened. My pardon my ignorance on that. але я думаю, що це був тільки такий перший крок, тому що перед тим, як цей музей мав відкритися, було дуже багато скептиків. І велика частина причина цього скептицизму це була стара радянська наука, яка завжди казала, що модернізм – це не українське явище. Що якщо в Україні щось і було, то воно було запозичене. Тобто оцей такий стереотип вторинності української культури, він до сих пір витає в повітрі. 
Oh, basically, when the museum was open, there was a lot of skepticism surrounding it, even in 2021. And this is mostly due to the fact that there's still a lot of um, like a Soviet propaganda background that is in the air about the, uh, the Ukrainian culture being secondary or non-existent. Basically, this is due to the Soviet propaganda, which is Russian propaganda is trying to also impose now. Um, and uh, um, but uh, so that was a little bit of a skepticism about what are you going to show? What do you have to show? There's nothing in there. And the ones that inspirations that the modernism had in Ukraine, the modern were different than the ones that were in the West, Western Europe. Yes, so, uh, sorry. Ну і тільки, тільки через те, що Україна не має достатнього наукового інструментарію, ми використовуємо або західні, або російські кліше. And because uh, Ukraine does not have enough scientific sources of its own, uh, we are using either Western or sometimes Russian cliches. Um, and this is due to the fact that a lot of, um, it, it was banned. So a lot of information was lost and a lot of people who are the um, first source of information, either dead or emigrated. Um, the four, what uh, is saying, we're quoting, often quoting Western sources, Russian sources, trying to find the ends. Uh, but he said it's only, the museum was only the first step to open the, um, whole box of completely before not known to Western Europe um, treasure of the modern art. And and um, just turning a, a, away a, um, from modernist artists, maybe to talk more now about for a while about the the contemporary art art scene in in Ukraine. As I understand it, um, during the um, the I think 2014, you, we, you, you begin to have issues with um, with the borders on the east, with with Russia, and and sort of mini invasions into Ukrainian territory, which is under dispute. As I understand it, um, at that point, artists, and this is true, I think of of, of art of what happens to art in in wartime. A lot of artists, on a, on a positive level, a lot of artists actually get discovered because they're kind of working locally in lesser known cities and towns of, in, you know, Ukraine's a massive country um, compared to like Great Britain in terms of size. Um, and, and those artists are either kind of then um, uh, arriving as refugees from those war regions into better known places to the West like Kiev and, uh, and Lviv. Um, and then, then their work gets known and people were, as I understand it, since 2014, that's been happening quite a lot and people have discovered there's a lot of talent in, the, in contemporary artists who were otherwise unknown from the east of Ukraine, who are now moving maybe and getting better known in the West. Is there some truth in my understanding of that? 
Ну, Девід, ще також хочу дізнатися про е, сучасне мистецтво. Що ви можете сказати щодо сучасних художників? Тому що, наприклад, е, ну, на фоні війни, на фоні початку бойових, бойових дій в 2014 році багато художників із Криму, із Східної України емігрувало або на Західну Україну, в центр, в Київ, е, деякі за кордон. Е, і, можливо, таким чином вони стали більш відомими, ну, тобто, що у них не було шансів раніше, і в них з'явилися шанси зараз коли вони ну, опинились ну, в своїй рідній еміграції? Я не думаю, що ну, це вплинуло на щось. Я думаю, що ні. Згадайте нашого Івана Марчука. Чоловік, mm-hmm. який вимотив весь світ ну, в своїх мандрівках. Так? От, але ну, його актуальність як художника, його прив'язаність до землі, вона не змінилася. І ця формула, я її називаю формула Марчука, так? Тобто, коли ми з ним останню розмову мали, він казав, що на світі існує 13 Марчуків. Тобто, його 13 періодів і 13 світоглядів, так? От. Mm-hmm. І я думаю, що ця, наскільки я знаю, там вже є 17. Тобто, я з ним мав телефонну розмову останню, вже 17 Марчуків є. От. І я думаю собі, що е, художники, які мігрували, тобто, вони залишились українськими, от. І якщо це правдивий художник, якщо це художник високого рівня, він не може не працювати в площині, не в площині українського світогляду. Я думаю, що на... Ну, от Савченко приїхав до, до цього, до Гданська, Гданська. Так? але що він малює? Він ж малює... Ну, ДСМ, так. Тобто це, це український світогляд, який просто... Не, ну, він, можливо, має більшу можливості допомогти зараз українцям. Це єдине, що змінилося у Савченка. То він, він, він зараз працює як куратор для українського середовища в Гданську. От. Так. Але, тобто він збільшив свої можливості в Гданську, так. Так? але ну, іншим художником він не перестав бути. Тому я не думаю, що тут Петро Антип з Горлівки перебрався до Києва. А, а ми вчора з ним говорили у Львові вже. Він вже є у Львові. Вже, так. Ага. Тобто це чоловік, який три рази мав знищену майстерню окупантами. Чекайте, я, Богдане, перекладу, бо я не, не, не все зможу запам'ятати. Вот Богдане сказав, що basically um, there is a, an artist on the basis of which he can claim that um, the artist who was born in Ukraine and was a Ukrainian artist is always and will always remain a Ukrainian artist. Um, because we are so tied to our land and I can confirm it, it's when James Batovic Badila, who was in Lviv lecturing and we were sitting with the guests from the Ukrainian Catholic University and he asked the question to everybody going like why are you so obsessed with this Ukraine you know and everyone in one voice we said the land there's something about the land it's up to the it's kind of mysterious you know I mean this land is is a mystery I think of Ukraine is this myth the land that's why People are standing, people are leaving, they have to fight. It's the land. It's kind of they're protecting like a goddess or something. Uh, so what Bodan is saying, it's also it's the land. And um Ivan Marchuk, um, um who is a, a world-famous artist, um, traveled around the world, has um, exhibitions everywhere. Yeah. Um I, I will, yeah, I will write <laughs> you the name. Um Uh, no, I mean, also... we, we know that name quite. That's one oh, of the okay. ones. <laughs> yes. um, he um, also claims there are 
17 Ivan Marchuk's because he had different periods. He worked in mm -hmm. different countries. This mm -hmm. is, but he always remained with the Ukrainian theme. Mm -hmm. uh, that is not always understandable or recognizable in the West, but this is always him. And another artist, Serhii Savchenko, who is our personal friend, who is also a very famous contemporary artist mm -hmm. and quite expensive one, who at the moment works in Poland, um, in Gdansk. And as well as Bohdan said, okay, well, he moved from Lviv to Gdansk. Did he start to be Polish artist? No, he's painting Ukrainian stuff. Like mm -hmm. everything about it, it's either about the war or other topics of contemporary art that he's doing, but he's more, he's a very, he's expressionist, um, incredibly, he's like a little bit like Jackson Pollock sort of style, Gerhard Richter, enormous, uh, big paintings, uh, you know, very expressive. Mm -hmm. And he's still, his topics, he's talking about Ukrainian issues. Um, and at the moment, his uh, workshop has been turned into volunteer hub, um, uh, he is um, not really selling art. He said, you can buy my art and everything, all the money I will, they're buying the supplies, the medical supplies, the yes. uh, various helps and everything. So at the moment, because he's in Poland, he's uh, uh, on a crossroad. So he's helping a lot to the army. And another artist that you've asked about the Eastern Ukraine, there's an artist called Petro Antip, who is from Zvitkivin's Horlivke Antip. Horlivke, from the city Horlivka. of Horlivka, uh, Horlivka. in Donetsk um, region. Donetsk region, yeah. He has moved first in after 2014. He has moved to Kiev. Yes. And now he has moved from Kiev to Lviv. And Bohdan has met him and had many conversations with him. His workshop has been three times destroyed by the uh, by the occupants. Yes. Я думаю, що найкраща формула цього всього пояснення, я маю таку візію, що мистецтво – це візуалізація світогляду. Світогляд неможливо змінити швидко. І коли людина має базовий дуже довгий шлях формування світогляду, вона на все життя лишається в українському мистецтві. Має, вважаю, сумати uh, an answer to this question. My view is art is the visualization, visualization of the view of the world, right? Someone else's, how they see the world. Mm -hmm. And um, as the, the, the way how we see the world is something that we get from our childhood, is something that is difficult to change, sometimes impossible. And um, because of that, if the artist has come from Ukraine and was raised here in Ukrainian culture, there would be something in it that this view would be always via the filter of where he grew up. And as I understand it, um, uh, contemporary Ukrainian artists, uh, since the more recent troubles began, if we can call it that, you know, 2014, 15, um, they, they've, They've become they they've become very interested in lots of different media, including time-based media and video. Um, but a lot of what they're doing is documenting what's going on in Ukraine uh, with the what was then the encroaching invasion and now the invasion. Do you think that a lot of contemporary artists are are interested in documenting this whole um, awful situation at the moment? 
Богдан, бачите, трошки по вашій статті, мабуть, те, що чи сучасні художники наші, чи ви вважаєте, що вони більше як, ну, документують ці події, які зараз відбуваються? Чи можна сказати, що це сучасне мистецтво, яке твориться навіть сьогодні, так? якимось чином документує події? Я, я думаю, що ну, ті останні свої статті, які я підготував, я говорю про те, що мистецтво не документує, а воно mm-hmm. випереджує події. In my recent article, David, that you um, might have read, yes. I've sent you, um, I'm talking about that the art does not document the events, the art predicts events. Yes, that's what was so interesting. That's kind of what I was hoping Bodan would answer the, 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 from his article. So, <laughs> would Bodan like to say, expand on that a little bit more? And just for the listeners, um, uh, Elena sent me a, 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 an English, I don't know if he wrote it in English, but uh, a, a recent article by Bodan, which is quite prophetic I would say <laughs> about what was going you know about the way art can actually prophesy and I, I think certainly myself and <clears throat> I think a lot of my listeners interested in art we, I often talk about that art artists are prophetic they see beyond the horizon before the rest of us and I think that's true of musicians and, and in, in the performing arts as well as in the visual arts I think that they you know it's almost as though they have this sit sense and they can feel what's coming beyond the horizon that most of us see. So um, maybe Badan could say a little bit more about the content of that article and Можливо, Богдане, якраз Девід пояснив слухачам про те, що ви говорите про те, що художники є не документалістами, а вони передбачають події. І якраз ви не написали це у своїй статті, яку ви надіслали Девіду, і він би хотів, щоб ви трошки більше розповіли про слухачам, так, про ці ваші думки про художників, як людей, які передбачають події, про видців свого роду. Ну, Знаєте, в своїй книжці Віктор Корсик, засновник музею Корсиків в Луцьку, він написав таку маленьку тезу, от, що коли ти приходиш в своїй роботі в якийсь такий ступор, ти повинен роздивитися по сторонам. І тоді до тебе прийде нове рішення. І я почав дивитися по сторонам, я вже дивлюся останніх 10 років. Так? Тому я, дивлю, я пробую дивитися на мистецтво з, зі сторони психоаналізу. Я слухаю лекції Генрі Марша, як працює розум. От, і я також, мене цікавить філософія, я починаю і музика, і культура того часу, який я вивчаю. Тобто я підходжу до вивчення мистецтва з дуже багатьох векторів. І, Um, a famous Ukrainian businessman who also have a very big art collection of contemporary Ukrainian art called Viktor Korsak has uh, um, stated in his book that um, when, sometimes we have um, a moment when we don't know what the solution is. And in this moment, it is very good to look around and to actually stop thinking about the problem and just try to look, uh, you know, in the other ways and the solution sometimes uh, would be found elsewhere and he he um, and Botan says I try to uh, do the same thing in my research and my my thinking I'm trying to do alternative thinking than 
as a sort of a normal academic um, standard. I, when I study a particular period um, or particular artist, I'm trying to learn everything about him, the music of that age, the culture of that age, the uh, uh, even the psychoanalysis of that age. For example, he was reading the book by uh, works of Henry Marsh, who is uh, um, studies about the brain and how we perceive the world. Uh, many, many, many other Ну, я прийшов до висновку, що сучасна візуальна культура це продукт, це продукт креативного мислення, це продукти креативного розуму. От і методика результату, який видає креативний розум, це не є алгоритмічне мислення. А це є, власне, робота мозку, який підсвідомо сам вибирає креативний шлях. От. І це пояснення, і це пояснення того, чому сучасна візуальна культура йде попереду, тому що вона є продуктом креативного розуму. Um, and uh, what I've understood when I have sort of studied all of this is that the contemporary visual culture uh, is not linear. It doesn't come from the um, our sort of logical, um, you know, rational um, uh, deliberations. It's more uh, the work of our sort of um, the under what is called the underbrain or something subconscious really and where it come to our subconscious is often um could be like mystical enlightenmentness um something that is not rational we cannot explain it and on the basis of this i started to um make experiments whether this would prove to be right whether i could um find any links that would prove that um really the artists uh, who are truly working with the uh, expressing their subconscious um, whatever comes to them um, does that would that link um, what they visualize would they link it to some events that are actually happening mm-hmm. yes that's really interesting um coming back to <clears throat> I, I i think that badan has 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 obviously his he's got a lot of experience behind him and he's seen a lot of history uh in in ukraine um as i have in in great in my own country in great britain you know a lot of water's gone under the bridge <clears throat> in our lifetimes um and uh we're now living in this new digital technology age but i think it would be quite nice if badan could say you know maybe in a nutshell uh, uh what has been happening in the Ukrainian cultural world, um, maybe since in the new millennium, maybe he could just give us a potted history of his view on what's happening in, 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 the, in art and culture in Ukraine and, and, and how that then leads us up to the present moment. I mean, for example, uh, the, the museum of his own museum of modern art was opened very recently, presumably after, after a lot of of research and collecting and, and 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 you know i'm sure an awful lot of hard work had to go into that from what you said about regathering these sort of modernist artists that have otherwise got lost in the tradition so that we can actually get a very good view overview now of what they've been doing and that what artists in ukraine have been doing in the last um 50 years or so um so may, may, maybe the be- maybe the better way of putting this is um what was what was the ukrainian art world um like even so even like one month ago and 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 how is that then we can talk about what's happening at the moment with art and artists and buildings and so on 
So what was her, I, I guess I guess what I know because of the work I've done, some of the work I've done with you, Elena, is that the Ukrainian government um, has created like non-government departments that are very interested in supporting the development of culture as well as the art market. So you know, public museums that will validate uh, art, including older art, like. like what particularly Badan's interested in, but also the su providing support systems for 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 emerging Ukrainian artists. Could you maybe maybe Badan could just say something about what's been happening in the last few years, and um, and then we can move on to what's happening at the present moment. Does that make Badan, sense? Я якраз хочу запитатися про тому, що про таку більш ширшу зараз картину у вас. Що було до війни, так? Тобто до того, як почалася ось ця частина війни, буквально, можливо, місяць перед тим, яка ситуація була з мистецтвом України і на ринку, і в загальному мистецькому світі. Тому що те, що я працював з Оленою, я бачив, що є держава почала виділяти фінансування і на проекти різні, і на підтримку художників, і на розвиток арт-бізнесу. Як ви бачите, що було, так? що передувало цій війні, яка була ситуація? Ну, я просто не знаю, який осяк брати, чи брати весь ринок незалежної України, так коротко проаналізувати, та? От, ну, напевно, так, я це зроблю так, дуже швидко, так? Ну, почнемо з того, що навіть в Радянському Союзі ринок існував. Let's start with the fact that in Soviet Union we had art market. There was art market. Але він був підпільний. Right, was undercover. <laughs> От, і, і ну, корифеями підпільного ринку це була, це була антикварна зброя. And the most were antique weapons. Underground, тобто мистецтво андеграунду. The art of underground, which was a forbidden art. От, ну і третє, я думаю, що також це, це були різного роду Дуже давні антикварні речі, які вціліли після, після окупаційного радянського режиму. І, 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 і ці залишки колекцій давніх, тобто українських до, до радянських, так, вони блукали по ринку. Тобто. And the remains of the pre-Soviet collections that were in the Ukrainian nobility before the Soviets sort of uh, took over. This was the main three categories that were undercover, very popular on the market. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the uh, um, antiques, as I like, uh, I know there's antiques and antiquities, there's a big difference, but these are old objects of yes. the sort of, like that, old weapons. This is to start with what we sort of were left with after the USSR collapsed. От. Ну і тепер тільки коли Союз, від... коли Союз відкрився, тобто тільки тоді, коли він розпався, оцей ринок підпільний, він вийшов на люди. After і... that, the undercover market kind of became public, known. So, so basically what you, ended, what you had was a lot of undercover trading with private collectors from, the Ukra from Ukraine, um, who, who then when the Soviet um, system collapsed, uh, that that art could then come more out into the open um, and be maybe sold on, on wider international markets in, in terms of the art market. But I guess the, the, the question then is, um, 
you, you, Ukrainians uh, such as Bodan would have wanted to retain, you know, purchase or somehow gather that work and put it into validating museums. So I wonder whether Bodan could say more about whether, you know, was that possible? Were museums then very important for once Soviet system collapsed in preserving Ukrainian art within within the within Ukraine? Богдане, от коли ви кажете, що воно вийшло назовні, так? Тобто мене, його як британця, так, йому би було очевидно, що, напевно, українська держава захотіла би, замість того, щоб це все продавалося за кордон, так, чи куди там, по приватних руках, щоб воно все йшло в музеї. Чи сталося це? Чому ні, якщо це не сталося? Що відбулося? Коли розпався Союз, фінансування культури було за залишковим принципом. The financing the of the culture after the USSR was called the remaining principle. It's like whatever remains go to culture. Yes. And in the beginning of the 90s, this was a huge problem with the money in the culture. For museum collection, we lost that layer because it all gone abroad. Like we did not have money to purchase anything. It's lost for uh, museums, for the Ukrainian museum collections, but it is abroad in private hands. So, so, so were there any laws um, about, about Ukrainian heritage not leaving the country as we find in many other countries or was, was there no even it wasn't illegal to take this work out of Ukraine Чи було якесь законодавство яке забороняло вивіз таких речей чи воно не працювало Ну тобто працювало законодавство яке тобто знову ж таки був радянський закон який дозволяв вивіз всього після 46-го року That has allowed basically export of anything after 1946 Anything, anything that has been any art that has been created after 1946 mm -hmm. didn't uh, was not considered to be valuable. But art before 1946, did you would you need an export license to take that out of Ukraine? Мистецтво до 46-го року потрібна ліцензія на експорт. ну воно взагалі заборонено було на вивіз. It was forbidden. You you could not even have a license. It's just forbidden ah. to export. And, and why not? Is is fairly obvious question, maybe. Why 1946? <laughs> because 1946 is the official start of Soviet art. <laughs> yeah, I understand. <laughs> I understand. Um, it was, uh, everything else was forbidden and it started the social yeah. realism was the only art yes. that was there. Uh, Тобто, ну, там було ясно, що для того, щоб вивезти, треба було на все ліцензію. Тобто, але вона була дуже така, ну, це коштувало копійки. Тобто, це треба було зробити фотографію, дозвільна система була, ну, дуже проста, щоб вивезти. It was incredibly easy to export, even if there was kind of a license or something. He said it costed uh, like maybe a couple of dollars to do it, and it was incredibly easy that no one cared really. Mm -hmm. So uh, the next question is when does when does the tide turn and Ukraine begins to realize it's got to protect its uh, on the one hand protect its cultural heritage, older art, if you like, um, and, and on the other hand uh, begin to support emerging art and contemporary culture. When when does that begin to happen in Ukraine? <laughs> 
почався захист того мистецтва, яке є в Україні, і підтримка сучасних художників. Коли повернулося навпаки? Ну, власне, я думаю, що навпаки повернулося тоді, коли в Україні почав працювати Український культурний фонд. The tide has turned when in Ukraine we started to have this uh, organization called Ukrainian Cultural Foundation, which is a sort of like a British Council and yes. the organization that funded ACWAS, Jared. That, uh, and, and I think that that started in 2018, if I remember rightly. Yes, I think it's 2018. So quite everything's happening so recently. Which, which is why it's so tragic that just three, four years into this renaissance, I've even heard it called, in Ukraine, uh, this, this has happened with Russia. Ну, знаєте, художник хоче лишати картини в своїй країні тільки тоді, коли він бачить візію перспективи, коли він бачить свою країну успішною, коли він розуміє, що його мистецтво буде архівовано і коли його мистецтво потрапить в експозицію. От. А в нас ну, система в Україні така, що ми в музеях виставляємо тільки 3% фондів, фондових приміщень. От. І, власне, коли ми збираємо модернізму, ми перевернули все з ніг на голову, ми зруйнували цю радянську систему, і цей модернізм, музей модернізму, він доказав, що це, що знаходиться в фондах, це є, це є рандомні закупу, закупи, тобто, які нікому насправді не треба. Тобто, для того, щоб формувати українську культуру, мусить бути дуже серйозна аналітика в основі. Бути, і мусить бути ринок, ринок мистецтва. Рин. Uh, ринок і аналітика дає можливість uh, комплектувати національну спадщину. Тобто тільки так. так воно працює, ну, принаймні, за кордоном так воно працює. Так. Розкільки... And um, when you think about where you would want your children to be, of course, you want them to be in the safety and like, obviously, have an access to museum, to expositions, to be visible, to be seen. Soviet Museum has functioned on the basis that only 3% of their funds were exposed as a like publicly shown. So the tons of art that is still in the cellars and the ground without being, without the vis visibility. Um, and uh, Bodansis with the Museum of Modernism, they tried to turn and they turned this system upside down. Um, and they've put things that were banned, that were in the storages, and they've put also things from the private collections into exposition. It was an incredible success. Um, but the next steps that they were planning, and he, from his perspective, what he realized after um, opening this museum is that to form uh, a very good museum collections of Ukrainian art, either modern or contemporary, it is very important to have a very good analytics um, and research, as well as art market where you could purchase works of art. Definitely, and that is obviously the system that has been around for centuries in the UK, 
with the development of museums and academic objective curatorship of public art and cultural collections happening at the same time really as the as the the early auction houses and then the development of the early uh, commercial galleries in in Mayfair and St James in London so I guess what's happening in Ukraine is a realization that that model is uh, is is now being set up in Ukraine uh, so you do need the validating academic objective sector not-for-profit sector alongside uh the the, the, the market and would 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 Badan would Badan kind of so he wouldn't be anti-market he would say that the two have to have symbiosis the the art market and the public sector galleries such as his own live together in harmony or Наскільки я бачу, Богдан би не є проти ринку, так? бо є люди-лефтисти, які говорять, що ринок він, ну, псує так? в цю мистецьку сцену і так далі. Наскільки я розумію, ви не є ну, анти... проти арт-ринку як такого. Ви бачите, що він допомагає розвиватися мистецтво. Чи правильно я розумію? Можливо, які ваші думки з цього приводу? Для мене, для мене є таким зірцем, я зараз пишу про нього книжку, у Львові був такий куратор. І я його називаю взагалі культуртрегером, засновник одної з перших галерей у Львові, Гердан, це Юрко Бойко. Мій особистий приятель, який був фантастичним куратором, один з перших кураторів контемпорарної арти в Львові, його назва Юрій Бойко, Юрко Бойко, він, звичайно, about the concepts that he was talking about the market. Ну і власне, Юрко Бойко прийшов в музей і в мистецький бізнес, будучи інженером. He came to the art business with his first profession being an engineer. Отже, він відкинув всі радянські схеми, для нього не існували. Ні в історії мистецтв, ні музей, ні музейні справи. He didn't know any museum or art history or anything. He was very uh, um, like a blank piece of paper in the art world. І цей чоловік почав з того, що він прописав свій канон. And he created his own rules that he thought would work. Він вивчав західні джерела, він вивчав західну історію мистецтв. І зруючи на свою опираючись на свою інтуїцію і свою ірудицію західних книжок, він вибудував свою вертикаль цінності в українському мистецтві. And he he started studying the Western sources. He knew English and he was you know built the whole analytical material about it, and he built his own. Um, kind of a Bodan um, call it as a, a, a concept of values of the Ukrainian art on the basis of that cultural or financial values or both. Культурні, мистецькі чи фінансові саме в фінансовому плані. Ну, власне, спочатку він він культурні цінності поставив вертикаль, і він вважав, що ці культурні цінності мають пряме відношення до ринку, повинні бути, мати пряме відношення до ринку. Тобто він став першою людиною у Львові, яка займалася ціноутворенням на приватному, на ринку мистецтва. He built the vertical of the cultural values and then on the basis of them he worked out 
how much and why they need they they cost what is their financial value bohdan is in process of working on a monograph about this person wow it sounds really really interesting actually um and yeah, i look forward to 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 reading that um, I, my idea was I'm working with Bohdan about the, I want the books to be translated into English because yeah. he's incredibly interesting. And this is what he has an opportunity to mm. say right now is uh, maybe 0.5% of what he has to say. Yeah. Um, and yeah, hopefully, I, I mean, this, this, I, this work is going to finish soon and we will be able to continue work. Yeah. And I, I think that I, I predict, I hope rather, from my heart, um, that that once this war is over, that sufficient and and we're going to talk about this now. I think how Badan and people like him, uh, we we know they're they're behaving heroically in so many ways. The Ukrainian people, but I would like to know from Badan how the artistic community is behaving uh, with the threats, you know, coming towards them in in first Kiev and then. And then Lviv. What what are, what is the artistic community doing about its chill its own children, <laughs> its its artworks, as uh, and maybe our, our artists and the artistic community also wound up in, in in even taking arms. I think the listeners would really like to know from Badan's perspective in Lviv, uh, what what is happening. What are artists doing about what's happening in Russia? You know, with the Russian invasion. <laughs> Богдан, я хочу якраз звернутися до сьогодення, так? Тому що те, що ми говорили, що картини це діти, так, які художники хочуть, щоб вони були показані, щоб вони жили. Скажіть, будь ласка, на сьогоднішній день в умовах війни, що роблять що роблять художники Львів, Київ, так? Чи вони малюють, чи вони займаються іншою роботою? Яка їхня буденність, сьогоденність і ваша в тому числі? ну, вчора я зустрічався з Петром Антиповим і ще художниками його кола, які, які приїхали з Харкова, а це художники з Харкова, з Донецька, з Дніпра, з Києва, з Миколаєва, які просто вчора евакуювалися, от, і вони вже у Львові створили такий фонд документування злочинів проти мистецтва України. Зараз перекладу. For example, just yesterday I met with a lot of artists from Eastern Ukraine. The uh, one that I mentioned before, Petro um, Antip, uh, uh, and many others from who arrived from Kharkiv, from Dnipro, from Dnipro, from Donetsk, from all the other regions of the Eastern Ukraine, they only arrived yesterday, but they have already created a fund, an artistic fund that they called the uh, Fund of um, Documenting Crimes Against Ukrainian Art. Yes, and I think it would be after this podcast, I, I know, Elena, you will send me some of the names of these artists that I will put in the written introduction to the podcast. And I think we, if we could have a link to, presumably there will be a website related to that fund, because I think a lot of our listeners would, would like to contribute to that. Uh, because, you know, we're all, we're all, I think a lot of people are contributing to the general uh, Ukraine, Ukrainian fund. Um, but to, 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 you know, the, our listeners are interested in art and in protecting and supporting this tradition in, in Ukraine. Богдане, ми з вами дамо потім ім'я, і, можливо, є буде лінк якийсь на цей фонд, тому що Девід його поширить, що це можуть бути контрибуції. Також люди би дуже хотіли долучитися до спасіння українського мистецтва і, власне, 
Mm -hmm. And I, I, what I would say is that I think that whatever nationality people are, I think we all, all of us in the art world agree that art transcends those boundaries and, uh, you know, and, and we, and everybody should be supporting what, what the art, whatever it is, if you like, within reason, <laughs> so long as it's not too ideologically uh, disgraceful, <laughs> which can happen, obviously. Um, but, but, um, just obviously, I think we we'd we'd like to know more about what like life in Lviv is 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 like at the moment in the artistic community. Um, I, I get the impression from some of the things you said earlier in the podcast about love of the land for Ukrainian people, and the kind of almost like a mysticism about it. I um and I was going to ask earlier when Badan talked about architectural styles, Byzantine, uh, Romanesque, uh, Gothic, etc. Presumably a lot of these buildings are Christian religious buildings. And my impression from listening to Ukrainian people on the radio here, who are just ordinary people, is that they're actually, very, they're probably very religious. I can tell that by their, they have some kind of ethical system inside them. It may be to do with uh, religious beliefs. I don't know, but whatever's going on, they seem very full of hope. Uh, as though you know, as though they believe that they're fighting for for the right. There's very little hatred we hear, even for, you know, you don't hear that word hate, which is very impressive actually, considering what's happening to the Ukrainian people. I don't know whether I mean even Elena, uh, maybe you could say a little bit about your thoughts on, on what is keeping the Ukrainian people so so brave and heroic, <laughs> um, and 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 how does maybe art maybe Badan could add how art fits into that. Я трошки, та, Девід просить, щоб я трошки розповіла більше про те, на чому тримається ось ця український героїзм, і щоб ви, можливо, додавали з точки зору пізніше щодо мистецтва, так, що тримає от українських митців теж в цьому героїзмі. Um, from my perspective, no, the religiousness is, uh, um, I wouldn't call it religiousness um, in many ways, because these people went through so many uh, turmoils and through so many horrors where survival was the key, like survival, physical survival. And people who go through, say, for example, a plane crash, right? Ask people who were on the plane crash whether they're religious or not, and they will all pray, you know? And this is, this is the same effect. Basically, they all pray. Whether they are agnostic, whether they're religious, they're not religious, um, they they just pray because um, the, the atrocities that are happening and people believe in miracles. Mm. Um, and um, not only that, but we are part of the culture that is a Greek uh, culture. Yes. And when people ask also the difference between Russians and Ukrainian, we are a little bit Greek because we mm. were, the Kiev was baptized um, in ancient times and we joined the Byzantine church. And um, we have even the very funny, if you watch the, my big uh, fat Greek weddings, you can imagine a typical Ukrainian scene would be very similar. Uh, so we are not um, aggressive people. We are quite a peaceful nation that is, uh, um, you know, has uh, loves the very simple pleasures of the land is important. We are agricultural country. That's why this aggression is so, um, you know, um, strange because this is completely unprovoked. Yes, and you see, um, you see almost like a kind of earth goddess being attacked by these weapons and missiles. You know, 
yeah it's just it's just weird you know yeah, i mean the, i have no i mean I've, I've i've been saying many words before but it's just weird um no hatred um i would say because there's still people i think do not understand that someone would be having a psychology of killing like civilians or children like you know, as a like this is not even humane like people don't believe such people exist yeah. like there's no one to hate really because yeah um, they i think they targeted that there's the putin is looks like uh just some sort of a um dr evil you know <laughs> someone who went mad and wants to take over the world um and it does look like in a movie from the side, and uh, but from inside, and as we see Bohdan is at the moment, normally he's uh, absolutely beautifully, elegantly dressed. Last time I met him in Lviv, he's a very flamboyant man who does this absolutely amazing, wonderful lectures in the Museum of Modernism and has um, an incredible social life, you know, and and he sits there at the moment in the sweater because he's been evacuating and uh, works about all day here, uh, 24 hours yes. on guard. And uh, I'm sure, Maybe, you know, oh. obviously it's obviously there is some confidentiality involved. And I know that I know from other reports that a lot of art collections in Ukraine have now been moved to places of shelter. And obviously we don't want to say where there are, there are, but the general the general um, movement at the moment is to safeguard these works of art, presumably by putting them into safe storage spaces, as as Great Britain did in World War Two. Um, so I don't know whether Badan could talk about some, what he's doing with his muse, his own modern museum at the moment. Are the works of art being put into safe storage? Um, Богдана, я розумію, що багато конфіденційної інформації, можливо, ви не маєте права про це говорити, так? Куди зараз роботи музеї, де вони їх тримають, будуть тримати і утримувати. І так само, як Великобританія у свій час під час Другої світової війни ховала роботи мистецтва. Проте, чи можете хоча б нам описати, що ви зараз робите з музеєм, так? Як ви евакуюєте, куди це все йде до того моменту, поки це є неконфіденційно? Ну, я можу сказати, що на даний випадок, тобто всі цінні твори знаходяться в місцях, ну, яких бомба не може досягти. At the moment what I can say to you that all the most valuable works of art are stored in the places where the bombs cannot reach them. Yeah. I understand. Um, and... тобто, але... Ну, але ми розуміємо, що є дуже багато приватних колекцій у Львові. But there are a lot of private collections in Lviv as well які є в приміщеннях, які дуже легко доступні до, до ураження. Тобто, ну, і тут, власне, що, ну, моя, моя функція, тобто, сьогодні я закінчив практично всі засоби, які охороняють твори музею модернізму. Тобто, я це сьогодні питання закрив. Uh, the most important pieces. I have sort of closed that question that most important works is safe now. There are a lot of private collections in Lviv that are exposed. Ну і власне, я зараз займаюся, в мене зараз відкрито друге питання, тому що до мене дзвонять власники великих приватних колекцій, які просять захистити їхні твори. And at the moment, the question number two is big private collections. I have uh, receiving constantly calls from the owners of such collection to help them to safeguard them. I understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and in terms of, I've heard some news actually today, I think, about 
museums I hear are now being flattened, being destroyed by missiles. So the the, the architectural heritage, um, <laughs> presumably that is something that you have no hope of protecting, um, or, you know, or you try to protect, but these missiles are, are, are just impossible to stop hitting these like cultural buildings, churches, important church buildings, historical religious buildings um, and, and museums. Uh, uh, would Badan like to say how under threat the, the actual institutions are, as it were? Богдане, щодо архітектурної спадщини, я дивлюся в новинах, що вони бомблять все підряд, включаючи і музеї, і церкви, і так далі. Чи, в принципі, є якась надія, що можна зберегти так у разі там, розбомблення архітектурної спадщини Львова? Чи це ну, таке 50 на 50? Яке ваше бачення? Uh... Є, така, є такий термін в мистецтві, як автентичність. Автентичним є тільки первинний вирік. Тобто, якщо ми будемо пробувати і все, що буде відновлено після розбомблення, це не буде автентичне. Тобто, і все, що буде відновлено, якщо yeah, I mean, we've seen this in Dresden in Germany, which the, you know, British and allies were, you know, bombed all the, the major buildings in Dresden. And if you go there today, uh, it's complete rebuilding of what was there. But as you say, it, it's quite sad at the same time, because it's no longer got that okay. history to it. I would like to say that the present occupation is very occupation I would also like to know that the current occupation is very different from the occupation during the 1940s. Yeah. Because during the 40s, the Germanic occupation was an occupation between cultural nations. It was a nation that grew up in the center of Europe. Because during the 40s, this was occupation by a relatively civilized nation, the nation that came from the Western European culture. And would did they? Are you saying that they would have tried to retain and not hit cultural institutions and buildings and churches with missiles? Whereas, is there some evidence that one of the things Putin is doing is targeting culture, trying to wipe out Ukrainian culture? Or do you think that's too extreme a view? They are they're just barbaric. I mean, I'm just gonna say this: these people, they they don't have much culture, David. So I they mean, wouldn't really. <laughs> so it wouldn't be deliberate targeting of to wipe out. A culture. No, they would be just un, unknowledgeable of anything. You really? know. But I will let with oh yes. I mean, we've experienced it during the Soviet times. People were. Uh, what is it storing uh, God knows what using churches and architectural objects for the um, like angars of oh, archives yeah archives okay. they it's a, they still have mentality Soviet mentality of work of kind of like a very low uh, culture I mean Russian culture what we know and what is in the, the, the valued by the world is something that was there before the Soviet time and before the Putin, and at the moment, many people will tell you, even Russians, and you know, I have uh, colleagues uh, also, they would completely agree that during that time, nothing of the Russian culture has been developed. It was so suppressed. Uh, 
I remember and when I was I remember when I went to Moscow I went I was very naive about <laughs> Russian culture I went to Moscow once just for a few days and I remember go, I was on my own I remember going in the Pushkin Museum I think it is off Red Square the historical museum archaeology and cultural objects and um, I was walking through the rooms and it was historical chronological survey museum and um, suddenly I, I I suddenly found myself um, in back in the entrance hall and I I asked the people um, the curators, where, where is the 20th century part of this museum? Where is the modernist art? And, and they just didn't understand what I was trying to say. So it kind of seemed to end the historical museum with the with the czars. <laughs> and then there wasn't anything else. You know? Unfortunately, unfortunately, and that what Bohdan says is 1946, it was mm. the end and of the Russian art. Ukrainian art was underground, found its way after the 90s. Yes. And Russian art, unfortunately, is didn't have any way to spread any wings. Yes. And uh, it's not uh, talking about, um, you know, of a kind of like who is a like who is which nation. It's just mm. we're talking about that um, there's not much culture at the moment there. Sure. Ну, коли ви сказали за окупацію так 40-х років, що німецька нація була відносно цивілізована, то продовжте свою думку, бо я перебила. Я хочу сказати про те, що навіть окупація більшовицька, бо я вважаю, вважаю, що після неї дуже швидко наступила більшовицька окупація, це ніякі звільнення не було. В складі радянських військ було дуже багато білогвардійських офіцерів. In uh, even the Bolshevik occupation that was after the 40s, because during within the Bolshevik army, there was a lot of what is called white Russian officers who were the nobility. They had respect to cultural heritage. Yeah, even if they were going to take it for themselves, at least they valued, yeah. they valued it. Навіть якщо взяти весь радянський період, то це була, це була культура читаюча. Тобто це були люди, які читали книжки. Soviet culture, it was a culture of people who read. They were intellectuals. These yeah. people read a lot. Yes, definitely. Сьогоднішня культура росіян, це є люди, які ну, втикають в телефони. Тобто це люди, які живуть і сплять смартфонами. Це люди не читаючі. And today, the contemporary Russian culture is people who watch propaganda from their telephone. Sure, I understand. Uh, I just wanted to ask Badan um, something more about art business in Ukraine, just briefly. I, I know, I think he has connections with an auction house in Lviv, if I remember from your... Kiev, I think it is. In, in Kiev. Um, maybe you could just say, what what are the structures of the, of the Ukraine art market um, uh, you know, auction houses, commercial galleries, and where would one go if one want? You know, are there places you would go uh, if you visited Lviv, Lviv and um, Kiev? Um, are there places where you go to buy art? <laughs> yes, Bogdan, we spoke about the auction Mm. 
Ну, я думаю, що треба ну, контактувати з, з ділерами, тому що ну, як, ну, в Києві ясно, що це може, офіційно, так, для того, щоб отримати документ, це, це аукційні думи. І там є не тільки дукат аукціон, є золота січення, тобто їх є кілька в Києві. There are two auctions, Ducat and a golden section. It's now called Goldens. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of art dealers throughout yes. the country. Through it, well, in, in all the major cities and towns, there will yeah. be art dealers. Yeah. So it's quite a, a lively, thriving, healthy business there, you would say. Тобто є бізнес, арт-бізнес в Україні є. Нема такого, що немає торгівлі мистецтва. Я вам хочу ще більше сказати, що... Три дні перед війною я був, мене запросили на таке застілля до бізнесменів. І, і, і тема розмови цього застілля це було, що робити з мистецтвом під час війни. От, да, от. І, uh, because... Тобто ще ну, всі, всі знали, що щось планується, але що ніхто не знав, що буде... Ну, що це дійсно станеться, що ця окупація, що це вторгнення відбудеться, так? Але от ця розмова, вона була за столом, і я однозначно сказав, мистецтво треба купувати під час війни, тому що це дуже добра нагода купити його найдешевше. А друге, ну це такий, ну, такий шкурний інтерес, так? А друге, це дуже добра нагода допомогти людям під час війни, якщо ти маєш надлишок. От. І, е, і я вам скажу, що ця розмова мала результат, тому що один день до війни люди купили мистецтво у Львові. От. Um, I'll tell you, it's a little bit also kind of like a fairy tale, but three days before this war started, I had, uh, I had been invited to a dinner by several business people who asked me the question, Bahdan, what to do with the art during the war? Because we were not, uh, we didn't believe this occupation was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, businessmen, as they are very, you know, risk averse, um, they wanted to have this chat. And so we had a nice dinner and I told them the following from a very commercial perspective, because I was talking to, you know, business people, I told them during the, it is best to buy art during the war for two reasons. First, it's going to be cheaper than during the peacetime. And the secondly, it's because you're going to help people uh, by buying their art. Uh, If you have uh, money, then buy from artists, because this is going to help them. And uh, he said, you wouldn't believe in one day before the war, there was quite a vibrant that these people were buying a lot of art during that time. But I want to add from my perspective is that before the war and something that I was going to start and hopefully going to restart after this um, ends, um, I had myself uh, two um, um, big companies in Ukraine, Ukrainian companies who were keen to invest in art uh in quite big scales not mm. buying one or two works but uh, and not forming a private museums but um forming a portfolio supporting uh young artists uh, uh also a lot of them we are very aware and very keen to work with the digital media um you might know that when we had our art business school with our Kharkiv colleagues. There was a, a girl called Nastasia Glebova. She is a director of the V-Art platform that is a gallery for digital art. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of pioneering ideas, um, mm. really. So um, 
so I hope, I mean, uh, that when this is finished, we can continue. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the moment that large corporate businesses start um, buying art for collections and presumably to display as part of the soft side, maybe of their business and for their employees, we've seen it with Deutsche Bank, I guess, most famously in the past. I think that's kind of stopped now <laughs> um, or it's come to a, you know, it's, there's a break being put on it. So that, 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 you know, it's a good thing, I think, because it's supporting artists and, uh, and, and so on. Um, but I guess um, I, I can see that Badan is in, in the middle of, you know, he's, he's, he looks very, if you don't mind me saying, he looks kind of quite exhausted and I can only imagine what it's like. I, I suspect people throughout Ukraine are getting very little sleep at the moment. And, you know, I just like to say from, from the point of view of like the Institute where I work, you know, our, our prayers are very, very strongly with, with the people of Ukraine, wherever they are. Um, but particularly with those who are who are within the country, um, and I just wonder whether um, Badan and you, Elena, whether you have any anything you'd like to say to the listeners um, at the end of this podcast, um, you know, for our ears. Badan, чи хотіли би ви щось сказати нашим слухачам, так як своє завершальне слово, можливо, наша вся країна, так і людей, які я знаю, ми молимося за мир. За те, щоб ця війна закінчилась пошвидше. І ми бачимо, які ви втомлені, особливо люди, які зараз в Україні знаходяться, мало сплять і ризикують своїм життям. Що би ви хотіли сказати нашим слухачам? Ну, я хотів би сказати, що це є дуже активний спалах молодих художників, яких зараз помітно по всьому світі, От, що це якраз і є оця, оця причина українського героїзму. Тобто оця вітальність, оця життєдайність енергії. От, і, і практично з Путіним, чому він прорахувався і чому, і чому він приречений на поразку. Тому що він мислить категоріями сорокалітньої давності. От. А від того часу в Україні вже виросло дві генерації. Тобто це люди, народжені в свободі. От. Це вільні люди. Друге – це люди з креативним мисленням. Це люди е-м, з- закорінені в, в нові такі глобальні процеси модерної нації, так, які, чи, чи, чи модерного людства, яке є по всьому світі. Так. І я думаю, що ну, я зі всіма прощаюсь, на, кажу, давайте кажу, будемо прощатися на два дні, бо, бо не, не довше ця війна має закінчитись. От. І я думаю, що після перемоги ну, ми будемо мати в світі зовсім інший розклад цінностей. І я думаю, що Україна вона буде таким ціннісно утворюючим елементом. От, так як свого часу колись, знову ж таки, кажучи вам комплімент свого часу, велику роль в тій Другій світовій відіграв Оця така постава Черчилля, так, от, і я думаю, що в новому світовому порядку, власне, українська складова, думаю, що відіграє найбільше. От. Тому 
ставити треба на Україну, на її молодих людей, а купувати треба тільки українське мистецтво, тому що воно буде скоро дуже дороге. Basically, to translate, it's very hard, like Bogdan is speaking in a very lit, lit like very uh, beautiful language um, in Ukrainian. I, could, but I can sense that. <laughs> yes, it's, mm. it's very, uh, it takes time to translate this. Um, but basically, uh, uh, I think there's the two main things what he wants to tell is that at the moment, the you can see, the world can see the sparkles that is Ukrainian art, that is a protest, freedom-seeking and innovative movement um the people um the the main mistake that uh, putin has done and that would we sure lead him to uh, uh to sort of losing this whole thing is that um there are 40 years of ukrainians who uh two generations who have been uh raised in freedom in a complete freedom we don't understand uh, anything else and um at the moment this whole heroism that people see on the television this is the outcome of it of people who were born free um and um art uh, ukrainian art is the complete sort of also um you can see it in an art it's a completely free art it's a uh, what he says um um non-institutional cre creativity from subconscious anything just free um and it's not even what people say not institutional as a not academic like you can see a lot of it it's just not known there was no um attention to it especially because art world is this is for me is very slow because i've seen it is incredibly slow it's a turtle that would tag sort of along and would understand that this whole kind of a um still sort of soviet way of thinking of the 19th century russian art where is this ukraine there um i'm gonna catch up i think later but if we you know thanks to your podcast it's gonna catch up a little bit faster <laughs> um and Bohdan is uh saying to everyone buy ukrainian art because this is the art that is going to be valuable in the future because this is, it, it's a true creative art and he says I, I give my respect to the nation of 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 great britain and the the people of the united kingdom for the, the wonderful support and they stand it first with us um, on the very beginning. And uh, he said as a figure of, uh, so Churchill became one of the Second World War kind of heroes, um, you know, and Britain was always the country supporting freedom and democracy. And he said, um, this time, I think a, a bit of Ukraine would also be uh, on this scene of history. And so um, he's calling everyone to get interested in Ukrainian art, spread Ukrainian art, buy Ukrainian art, and um, uh, supported. Thank you so much, um, Badan, for giving up your time. And Elena, you, as, as ever, you've been a, a, a wonderful um, contributor. And thank you so much for your. Both of you were very concise, which was wonderful. You know that that, that it was. Badan uh, has a tremendous talent to to keep keep these things very concise, unlike me. <laughs> and and Elena, you've translated really brilliantly. And I think that listeners are we're all in our debt to hearing this um, very, I think, quite rare vision of, of what the art world is like in Ukraine over the last few years and in history and, 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 and today. And, you know, I know that myself and all the people listening to this will, will, will be praying for you in their own way <laughs> and for art and artists and for the survival of Ukrainian art and the values, as you say, of uh, freedom and democracy that are represented there. Um, so, 
just thank you very much again for for being here today and Badan, you know special prayers with you and your artistic community uh, both in Lviv and throughout Ukraine you know we're really thinking about you all the time and uh, we will try and I'll try and put a, a link to the website for the art fund uh, on you know we're trying to uh, push that out there as far as we can <laughs> so thank you very much uh, thank you, you. yeah thank you thank you